He brought you low by his blood-stained cross. Do not despise my command because you know me to be a sinner. of the Bloodsucking Geeks podcast. I'm Chris, one of the hosts of the Bloodsucking Geeks podcast, and joining me this week are Corey, Cody, and Robert. What's up, guys? Hello. All right, y'all. So <laughs> we have an incredibly exciting episode today, and we're excited to announce that I just hit my own mic, and you heard that. Let's see, we're excited to announce that today we're having our very first guest. Yes, this person is a true Crowley OG and also happens to be share the namesake with a certain person who likes to haunt teenagers dreams the one and only rob krueger thanks for stopping by boss howdy thanks guys this is i'm truly honored to be here it's exciting to get to reconnect after more years than i want to think about (laughs) (laughs) it's awesome no thanks for for joining um you know the the show today because we, we we talked about we talked about having guests you know several months ago and we we all like knew right away the, the first guest that we needed to have on here was you mr kruger i mean that was i mean you got to it just it made perfect sense right that's very cool thank you thank you but for those that um may not know uh, maybe listening to the podcast and, and you're not from crowley um no but um rob was our teacher for a long time growing up um at deer creek in crowley texas all the way up through high school um uh, you were teaching in you know various grades throughout the years, uh, but we just have so many awesome stories. But you, like Cody said, are a crew Crowley OG, and so you probably have all sorts of awesome stories you can share with us today. Yeah, we, it's 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 interesting. Um, my dad is still in Burleson, so that that gets us through Crowley when we're back visiting family. Um, but it God, it's just changed so much when we moved out there in the summer of seventy. Uh, that meant I started fourth grade in the fall. And at that time, during my fourth grade year, uh, Best Race and Carly High School were it. Uh, first through six was the Best Race and seven through 12 was at the high school. And then they built the original Stevens, which I think is a ninth grade campus now. I'm not yeah. sure what they've done yeah. with it yet. And they crammed us all five, six, seven and eight in that school for two years. There's only, as I understand it, only two classes that went five through eight in that building which is good because fifth graders don't need to be with eighth graders man we were, we were <laughs> young but yeah things like i grew up on bovell so if you remember let's see if i can still do it it was mission mustang bovell glendale prairie view yep I like, did not. I did not. I, how did i not know that don't. i didn't know you grew up on bovell i grew up on bovell 628 east 605 East Beauville. Oh my God. So wow. right in the fucking street. <laughs> and I actually lived because I was, I was, God, for most of my life, I've been afraid of my own shadow. I finally got to a point where I don't care. But even at that point, 
Like the first year I taught, I lived most of that year with my parents right there in the hood. Um, but when when we when I was there, when I was growing up, the field where the bank is now, and I think there's a Sonic that's in there now and all that, yep. that was just a field. Yeah. And there was a path that cut through that took you over to Quickway, and that was about the only store in town. Well, I'm sorry, except for Melton's and the other grocery stores that were across from each other. But that was that was pretty much it. I mean, it it was it was not Solid City all the way into Fort Worth the way it is now. You know, it was, it was a little little country town at that point. Yeah, Burleson seems like that's the town that like really got real a lot bigger. You know, you know, because Crowley and Burleson always seemed like they were kind of rivals growing up. But Burleson is like sprung sprung up quite a bit. It seems like the last time I've been there. I always wonder. Um, the Crowley Burleson thing is kind of like the Dallas Fort Worth thing, you know, where Fort Worth was adamant that it didn't want to be Dallas. You know, Crowley was like adamant that it didn't want to be Burleson. I have it on high authority that Burleson is on performance enhancing drugs. So that's, that's how. <laughs> well, Crowley right now is getting roundabouts built right in the middle of it. Right. There's been doing construction in the middle of Crowley for about four or five months now. And like that's the whole like. Like leaving my house on Main and headed toward town, the whole left lane is closed at the red light up there, and they're like they're digging up the whole street and expanding <laughs> it and putting in fucking roundabouts in the middle of Crowley. Now, are these are these legit European roundabouts, or do they have stop signs? I don't know. They haven't these got that far. Like, they're these they're only like six months into it, so all they've done is dug holes. Just every man for himself. Every man for himself, like, twisted metal. Yeah. No yield signs. No stop signs. Yeah, dude, seriously, I had the, moving from Crowley to somewhere else, I've, 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 had the, I've been fortunate to go to Paris a couple of times, and one of my favorite things to do is just stand at the roundabout at the Arc, Arc de Triomphe and just watch it. Because nice. it's nuts. There's no lanes. And there's, like, a million cars going around at the same time. And it's like, how the hell do you know how you're getting out of that even? You know? Lucky guess. Lucky guess. <laughs> I happen to. I actually went to to Paris about right before everything went down. I think it was probably like in December or November, and now they have those little electric scooters everywhere, so you can oh, just get on one of those and just zip around. It's probably yeah. pretty dangerous, but it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> cool. Um, so let's talk about what we've been watching here uh, lately. We like to talk about what uh, kind of horror movies or maybe series or anything else that we've been watching horror related. Uh, since you're our guest this week, uh, what have you been watching, Rob? Um, right now, Lovecraft Country is is high up on the list. And, Absolute. You know, in fact, to the point that, that we, my husband and I, we don't even let a week get by without watching it. We'll watch it midweek, if not live. I mean, it's just... This, I'm, I'm into the whole social issue side of it as much as just the storytelling and the makeup and costuming or the effects. I, it's, it's brilliant. I mean, it is. It's absolutely amazing. I will tell you in the first episode, I broke out in a sweat before I saw one monster. And that and that's yeah. for real. That's the truth. That's that was what will happen to you if you're if you're a man. I'm, I'm here to tell you <laughs> it, it's intense. It's truly intense. That's awesome. Well, we yeah, have been watching itself. it. I, I think I work uh, maybe an episode or two behind, but um, I guess what n- next episode comes on tonight, Sunday night. Yeah, so and I think there's only like three left. Oh wow! I think it's a the ten freaky, episode. Setup. The Freaky Friday episode is so unbelievably amazing. I'm here to tell you guys, uh, it's the most appropriate usage of Cardi B's 
uh, Murder Shoes, or is, I believe is the name of the song. Uh, or so, uh, yes. Oh, my God. When you see that, <laughs> you can't unsee it. And see, that's that's another. Well, I don't know. I'm not familiar with that music. I love the way that the contemporary stuff is used, even though it's the late 50s. Like the first thing that comes to mind is not a horror film, but in Django Unchained, uh, during that huge shootout mm-hmm. with Leonardo DiCaprio's character and all that. And I forget the rapper that's playing over that. And it's like, this fits. This, this is so cool. Yeah, definitely. Um, awesome. Uh, yeah, we, we've been enjoying that as well. I can't wait to, to get caught back up. Uh, uh, Robert, Big Cat, what have you been watching? Uh, besides the Stanley Cup Finals, the only thing I've really got to watch recently is uh, I watched Jurassic Park. That's not really horror, but, I mean, it was, you know, it has a few jumps in it when you're, you know, 10 Chris years old see, in the scared theater. scared the hell out of me when I was a kid watching it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, saw it in, I saw it in Hollywood and Crowley. It still holds yeah. up to this day. Yeah. It was the first time my wife had ever seen it, too. She had oh, never seen the first movie. First time? Yeah. First time, yeah. And I was so excited for it. She was like, it was all right. And I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> you know what? Though, like, plane ticket. I would <laughs> say out of all the, the movies that came out around the time Jurassic Park did, you know, maybe even a few after, I think it's one of the ones that the CGI still holds up today of, of all those movies that were released around then. Like, cause you know, doing something, I just remember how amazing I, my jaw dropped seeing that first scene of them in that kind of like that Glenn with the, the brontosauruses and everything. Yeah. That was amazing. Uh, and it still looks pretty damn good today. I just well, I'll tell you, I tell you what, it came out before Candyman 2 did. We saw the <laughs> fucking end of that. With that special effect. Dude, or know, Jurassic Park actually uh, helped me become a sound mixer. Like, I saw this infographic once, and it shows all the different animal sounds they combined to make the dinosaur sounds. And you're seeing like a elephant and a tiger, yeah. and like a walrus is the the Tyrannosaurus Rex. And I saw that, and there's this documentary on the Blu-ray, and there's this guy like walking through like the English countryside, like <laughs> recording fucking sheep. And he, I was just like, whoa, what job is this? Like, how do I do that? And that's like part of like the mission, or part of like the journey was that that movie sent me on that journey. He's yeah, the one classic Google Earth driver too. Yeah, Chris, you talk about that opening shot um, before I moved out here to California. I was visiting a friend in San Diego, and we went to the Wild Animal Park, which is uh, north of San Diego. It's outside of um, Escondido, actually. And it's uh, kind of a holding pen for animals, but it's like a big open area like you're describing that you normally just take a little tram around the outside. Well, we we dropped the dime, and my friend and I and did the photo safari where they put you in a truck. And you ride in and like, I've got a picture of me feeding a giraffe, with his head on my shoulder, you know, the white rhino standing right next to the truck you're looking down on. But anyway, as you're going into that paddock, that was the first thing I said was, God, this looks just like Jurassic Park. And somebody, the tour guide said, for what it's worth, the tour guide said, yeah, Spielberg got some of inspiration from this. Oh, wow. And it, it was, it's, it's really cool just to see all these different animals and stuff. That's awesome. Um, uh, Corey, what have you been watching? Uh, not much because, you know, I was still recovering from all the hammer films we watched last time. So, uh, <laughs> I had to take a little bit of a break. Uh, but I did order a couple of movies and the one I want to talk about was, uh, 2000 maniacs, the, uh, Herschel Gordon Lewis movie from 1964. Um, 
It was the second part of the Blood trilogy, the first one being Blood Feast, which uh, Joe Bob showed uh, at the during the original marathon, I think. And then the third part was Color Me Blood Red. But it's just like a typical Herschel Gordon Lewis movie. Lots of just over-the-top violence. Um, I've been hearing about this movie for shit probably almost 30 years from uh, Chance's dad, who always told us about when they put a guy in a barrel, drive nails into it, then roll him down a hill. And basically, oh, it's just a Jesus. it's just a fucked up version of the uh, play Brigadoon. So, like, it's this southern town <laughs> that on the centennial of the Civil War being over, I guess, uh, it magically reappears, and they trick six, you know, northern Yankees into the town as the special guests, and then they just come up with all these bizarre fucking ways to kill them. Like, they tie one girl down and drop a giant boulder on her, the barrel, uh, they draw and quarter a dude, just... It, I mean, this is 1964, and it's just like really fucking violent and gory. That's which crazy is awesome. for that time frame. I would. Yeah, imagined. I mean, it's Herschel Gordon Lewis. I mean, he's the godfather of gore, and uh, but yeah, I finally was able to get that, and it also I didn't know it had a second movie on it, the uh, Moonshine Mountain, which I haven't got around to watching, but yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. But uh, 2000 Maniacs, and they remade it. Uh, more recently as 2001 Maniacs and Robert England is yeah. the star of that one. I think they may even made a sequel to that remake too, but yeah, 2000 Maniacs really fucking cool. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, Cody, what about you, bud? Oh man. So uh, originally mine was going to be Lovecraft, but I'm totally fine with that being taken. <laughs> uh, because I, I watch a lot of TV with my wife. Sometimes we went up watching 20 hours in a weekend and, uh, this newest show that's on fucking Amazon Prime, it's called Utopia. And at first I was like, oh, cool, it's got John Cusack and like some other people. This will be great. I'm here to tell you, this is the most unflinching, daring like storytelling. I'm here to tell you shows that have good things, they'll be like, oh, yeah, let's, let's preserve this. Let's save these characters. Let's not hurt them in any way. Let's not do anything rash or make any decisions for three or four seasons. I'm here to tell you this show like moves a mile a minute with the decision-making and it's about this comic book that's like this underground comic book and it's called there's one called dystopia and everyone's read it and they're all figuring out that it's predicting all these viruses okay and the pandemic literally has nothing to do with this it just happens to be this like coincidence but so this group of nerds are meeting at a comic-con to see the new utopia which has been found and they start digging into the mystery and john cusack's in it Corey michael smith is in it he was the uh uh the riddler in gotham Mm -hmm. and he is amazing in this show, but seriously though, Utopia, I'm telling you, it's been blowing me away. It put me like through like a a stress panic situation. <laughs> like it, it will fuck you up. That it does not sound up. fun at all, Cody. Well, that's just that's the stuff y'all watch. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. We we had some friends. We were uh, at uh, having dinner last night, and they were telling us about that show, and they were also recommending it. And so that's, that sounds pretty cool. Um, I have to check that out. Um, have you guys watched Nosferatu? It just came out on Shutter. I've uh, read the book. Quinto? So you have read the graphic novel? No, it's the book. Uh, Joe Hill, Stephen King's son, wrote it. Okay, so yeah, they they made a graphic novel of it too. I thought that's what you were referring to. Um, but yeah, we just started watching that. It came out on on Shutter here recently, um, and I, I we're like three episodes in. I still don't really know what it's about. It's it's this creepy old dude uh, that uh, what's his name Zachary Quentin uh, I believe uh, Zachary Quinto it was Siler and Spock right yes 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 thank you 
he he just drives around this creepy old black car, like picking up kids and taking them to Christmas land. It seems like uh, he's some sort of energy vampire or something. And as he's driving them, he's solely like sucking their energy. And so it's cool because you see this transition in between scenes of him slowly be, uh, like de-aging or aging um, as he sucks the kids like energy. Um he becomes like youthful, but it only lasts not that long at all, like maybe a day. And so the next day you see him aging back again. So he's searched for another kid. And uh, there's just, just re- a lot of weird stuff going on. Um, did you enjoy the book, Corey, of this? Like, what did you think of the story? So, you know, overall. Yeah, it, it was pretty good. Uh, I started reading some Joe Hill, just, uh, you know, he comes from, Stephen King raised him, so I figured he'd probably be a pretty good writer himself and uh, decent. Uh, definitely enjoyed it. Uh, another book of his, Heart Shaped Box, is really good. Uh, I think I like that one a little bit better, but yeah, uh, I recommend any Joe Hill and the Nosferatu book itself was, uh, I liked it. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it seems like it's done fairly well. Um, I think it got canceled after it's third season or something. So there's, it's not like super, super long. So, um, anyway, I'll, I'll keep watching and <clears throat> let you guys know what I think. Um, let's jump into the interview now. And this is like the, probably the most exciting part of the show for me personally. Um, cause uh, we get to ask you all these sorts of crazy <laughs> questions. Um, but man, I, I got to imagine there's probably lots of crazy stories, you know, like, scary stories, um, legends, and, you know, other crazy tales from North Texas that you guys discussed, like, growing up there, um, Rob. Can you talk about any any of the ones that you remember that, uh, you know, you guys maybe discussed, or maybe you even checked out some of those, you know, later on in life or anything like that? You know, it seems like there was, there's one that's been on my mind that, I, or has been on my mind, I'm trying to get on my mind, somehow, some something, whatever. One, though, that I do specifically remember, and I think this was in the Tanglewood um, area of Fort Worth, which now would be back behind where Trader Joe's and the goody-goody liquor store and all that stuff is. Um, And there was a house that if you parked at the correct angle with the, I don't know what you call it, where part of the roof stuck out over the garage and it was all painted white, if you parked at the right angle, it looked like a giant person in a clan outfit, the hood and everything. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> you know? And of course, the story to go uh, the story to go with it was that the the owner did it on purpose because he was a clansman, but only people that knew how to see it would know, and you know all that sort of stuff. And then my favorite um, was when I from college days when I went to school in Abilene, uh, aka Drabilene, uh, you know. <laughs> I said, but, it was, and of course, I was at a Christian school where drinking was out and all that sort of stuff to put you in therapy years later on. But there was a uh, south of town, there was an abandoned missile silo. And we you'd had to sneak onto some guy's farmland and you'd go down this ladder to get into it. And I actually went down in it a couple of times and it went down nine stories before you hit water. Holy I shit. I mean, this, this was literally like a Cuban missile crisis silo type thing outside Abilene. And then north of town, you'd head north, and you'd hit this little town called Anson, and there's a flashing light. That's it. Make a right and go out to the cemetery and hang a right down the dirt road by the cemetery till you come to the crossroads and park, <laughs> you know, and then turn and look back. And 
I swear to God, it looked like this every so often this light would come out of the cemetery and kind of waver over the road. And then it started, it would get closer to you. If you started walking towards it, you couldn't see it anymore. Some nights you didn't see anything, um, you know, and all sorts of stories around it's that. Fun. Then I looked it up, was bored one time, looked it up on Google, and I was like, I got the explanation. I'm like, well, fuck it. I wish I'd never found out about that, man. <laughs> <laughs> no spoilers, no spoilers. Yeah, yeah. see, I always thought it was more along the lines of the Martha lights, because, you know, you always hear those stories mm-hmm. about the lights there. You know, in in um, yeah, like when I was a kid, I I was really not into any of the horror stuff. I mean, at least as far as watching movies, I had a, a really good friend, uh, like my best friend in sixth grade. He was buying magazines like Fangoria and stuff like that. Awesome. So I got introduced to Vincent Price. Um, always loved the fact that back in the day when you actually got TV Guide and it told you what kind of show it was, if it was a drama, if it was a comedy, if it was whatever. They would list any of those Hammer films um, that Price was in um, as melodramas. Oh, really? <laughs> that was kind of cool. But we would, again, it's back then when, you know, cable TV was non-existent. Satellite TV hadn't even started, like, some of the early stuff. Um, but Channel 8 would play movies all night on a Friday night. And they would be oh, The Pit and the Pendulum. Um, oh, nice. You know, the one where the dude has the bell installed in case he gets buried alive mm-hmm. and and all that sort of stuff. You know, the bell installed in the mausoleum. Um, but I don't really remember. I, it seems like I remember something around Lake Worth that there was some sort yeah. of some sort of goat man, wasn't it? That's goat, goat boy. Goat boy. OK. Tell yeah. Sorry, Corey. Uh, the, OK, the way I was first introduced to it was. Uh, through Sears driving school, uh, we're doing one that was like, they actually take us out and it was chance. And I, and, uh, our instructor, just some random lady for, I, I don't know why we hell we were out by Lake worth, but she's like, yeah, this is like goat boy country. We're just like, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> Crazy old lady. Man, and, uh, yeah, she told us how Bill just, and would see this goat looking boy. And, uh, you know, it's also known as like the Lake Worth monster and it's, she wasn't making it up. It's a known thing that, uh, is, you know, the local legend around there, the North Texas cryptid. So, uh, yeah, I've never saw it, but we'd yeah. go, we'd go swimming in Lake cool. Worth growing up as kids. And I remember people would always talk about that every time we'd go. So being the little shitty kids, we'd always be like, I, I saw it. I swear I saw it. Yeah. And I thought shit. we were I thought we were teeing up for a uh, crazy Agnes story because what uh, oh. like, like was, so in Fort Worth over by like Seminary and Granbury Road oh, there was this house that was just wildly decorated with like Santeria or something Had the, on the statute roof. of limitations expired for the for the story <laughs> so, I don't know, but several people set firecrackers off and did different things and tried to entice this like. So apparently, like psychotic woman whose husband had died at the at the chemical plant that was right behind her house. That's like across from the railroad tracks. There, that's like the supposed urban legend. I shit you not. And uh, so, like, we would drive past there, and she would come out and be like, and like be throwing cats at us, like the cat lady on the Simpsons. <laughs> and she would like start speaking in tongues. And I swear, dude, she had like a headdress. With like fruit in it and like pearl necklaces and she wore five different like different colors like chartreuse. I didn't even know that was a color at the time. Like this shit was wild. 
Like, dude, I'm telling you. <laughs> but I don't know what ever happened to her. God bless her. I hope he, I hope she got some help. But but that was definitely they like a, an article a in night Fort Worth Weekly. Thing. Oh, really? Yeah, they had an article in Fort Worth Weekly about her. I read like uh, shit. I guess it was right around 2000. Um, Agnes of Granbury. It was like a front page article in Fort Worth Weekly. So I'm sure. If, like they have their shit uh, archive. You probably dig it up online. Yeah, she would have like different messages on her roof in like, like different like mm-hmm. cow skulls and like goat bones, and it was like she was always doing back to doing Santeria and shit. I saw it. Fruit heads. It was, just, it was really just she was just like sublime a lot. Like, yeah, with all the Santeria and the fruit hat, I'm getting this picture of a cross between Carmen Miranda and Blink One Eighty Two. You know, other people can attest to this. Like her shit was wild. Like, if you saw this person on the street, you would, like, hesitate and be like, oh, my God. Like, yeah, <laughs> she has a knife. Well, Rob, you grew up, uh, you know, in our same neighborhood that we grew up in. You know, being on Beauville, I was on Prairie View. Uh, Cody can attest to this, at least when we were kids. One of our Crowley legends was there were a whole bunch of devil worshipers that would go into Bicentennial Park and worship the devil and do all their seances and other stuff. Um, and we actually found a green mask um, out there <laughs> in the woods. We found, we found masks. Clearing. We found stickmen. We found like little like uh, gr- yeah, like, sac- like Blair Witch sort of yeah. like altars. Like we don't know what the fuck was on it. <laughs> Bicentennial. So that was a real thing. Was that? Did you guys have ever discuss anything like that back I, on Louisville? I want to say uh, no. That's honestly, I swear, that's the first time I've heard any of that. The stories that, that we would tell were at uh, Laurelland up uh, Crowley okay. Road there, and that little chapel mm-hmm. that's toward the back of the cemetery. Mm-hmm. That supposedly you could find shit like that around around that little chapel thing that they would oh, come there. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. they got found out that over on Crowley Road, and they went down <laughs> yeah. by the same park. Yeah, they went to the woods of Bicentennial. <laughs> yeah. We got to move operations again. Um, all right, Cody, I'll throw it to you for well, the next question. Well, that's great. So, so Mr. Kruger, what what is hands down the scariest movie you've ever seen to you and why? Oh, um, I think situational ethics plays a role in in a question like this. Um, the Exorcist, which I chose today, you know, flipped me out for quite a while. Um, I know a lot of people aren't into it, but the found footage bit – Blair Witch Project and uh, Paranormal Activity. Oh, yes. Oh, wow. Total rap. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't get up and go to the bathroom at night. After- <laughs> and, and, and Blair, like, I, the thing I think about is um, the bit where the one guy finds the protoplasm or whatever it is all over his stuff, and he's freaking out because nobody else has it. And I'm just thinking about, you know, what would that be like? And for me, I used to I used to teach this when I taught seventh and eighth grade. I'd read Telltale Heart, and we'd talk about how the monster. Sometimes the scariest stuff is when the monster is inside your head. Mm-hmm. You know, when it's not out there, it's this tangible thing that you can fight against. But the one that will forever stay with me. In fact, I looked it up recently. It was a made-for-TV movie. I must have been eight or nine. Called the Horror at Thirty-Seven Thousand Feet. I mean, like it had. Buddy Ebsen and William Shatner and <laughs> all this sort of stuff. And it was, it was, the setup was, it was a jumbo jet flying from the UK back to the US, but they only filled first class because they were carrying this heavy cargo of some stone 
um, that this rich guy and his wife are having brought to their house in the U.S. or something like that. Well, anyway, it turns out the stone was a sacrificial altar for druids. And so the plane's got all these spirits on it. And um, I'm going to have to find it and watch it again and see. I don't think it would have the same effect on me, but, oh, my God, that would – that one wore me out as a kid. That was that was just too much. <laughs> I get that one mixed up with the other one with John Lithgow. <clears throat> what was it like? Terror at fifty thousand feet. Yeah. The uh, the other one that they they did. Um, I mix those two up a lot. Oh, you like the the Twilight Zone one? Yeah, it was the Twilight Zone. And then they did it again more recently. I think with the new uh, Twilight Zone series on the CBS All Access uh, thing. I think they just redid it uh, once again. But I have not watched that one. So I have not seen any of those and. Jordan Peele's a genius. Oh man! I mean, that He's goes without saying. Game. Killing the game. Yeah, for real. Uh, I thought Us was brilliant, and of course, I'm still watching Get Out to pick up on everything I keep missing because there's just so yeah. much happening in that. Mm-hmm. You know, we did make a mistake. Uh, uh, was it last episode or the one before? Where I think I said that Jordan Peele was doing the new Candyman. Apparently, it's just his production company. Yeah, he's oh, yeah. doing yeah. it. So, like, I think I, I misspoke when I said I, that. I so. definitely contributed to that because I thought he was producing because I saw that same. Uh, Cody, don't of... try to bail him out. He's the most unprofessional one of us. <laughs> <You've established laughs> I own my mistakes. Well, all right. So uh, on to the next piece, which is, let's see, what's the darkest, most depraved and twisted shit in a movie that has made you laugh inappropriately? <laughs> Oh, I'd have to put some thought into that. The first thing that comes to mind, it's not really in a film, but in college in Abilene, we had a local dollar theater that we'd go to. And we went to a showing the guys that I, on the floor of the dorm where I lived, a bunch of us that hung out went to it. And there turned out to be a bunch of jocks there that night. And I guess it was Chainsaw 2. And the patriarch in the family's talking to his son who's fallen in love with one of the girls or something. And uh, um, the the dad, the patriarch, whatever, says something to the son about um, what's going to be boys, sex or the saw. And all the jocks, all the jocks in the theater start chanting sex, 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 sex. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it wasn't really the film. But the the other the other one, I guess, was in John Carpenter's The Thing. When when the dog finally loses it. And then, oh, man. and then when they're doing the blood test, they've got the guys tied down and they do the blood test on one and it jumps and scares the shit out of you. And then it shows the other guy tied next to him, freaking out, trying to get away from it. You know? It's like, I know there's other stuff out there because my sense of humor is very Python-esque. You know, it's, it, I love the twisted stuff. Yeah, definitely. I remember oh. the one the, the one of the times where Cody laughed inappropriately. In a movie, and it made me die laughing. I can't watch the movie anymore. It was Pumpkinhead. <laughs> oh, uh, where the poor kid gets ran over by a motorcycle and dies, and it sets up the whole rest of the movie. Cody just like died laughing at that scene. <laughs> oh man, it was so funny. I've got, I've got two real quick ones. So there's this movie called Annabelle. It's a whole franchise. I'm sure people like it, whatever. But I'm sitting there in the theater, and I see the first trailer. And people in the theater are like, oh, ah, oh, I want to see that. And then after the trailer's over, I'm just like, it's a fucking doll. And I'm not usually the guy that's like in the theater saying stuff you know, to, the, to, the, to the screen. But this was the one time, and I swear to God, that 
there's a hundred people that will never watch that movie or will never take it seriously because they all were still chuckling like through the credits, <laughs> opening credits of the movie. And then another one is this movie called Bay. And it's fucking, I don't know what it's all about, but I forgot who made it. I thought, I think it might be Wes Craven, could be wrong. But it, there's this whole climax of the movie that takes place in this subway. And it's like supposed to be real scary. Well, I just started laughing out loud. And then it started a slow laugh in the entire theater <laughs> on a Friday night at 7 p.m., like prime time. We're all just like, Wah! We were all just losing our ever-loving shit because it was just not a climax. It was I've just never heard like, anyone take credit for starting a slow laugh. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, uh, Corey, Robert, what about you guys? Y'all want to chime in with uh, any movie that you can think of? Oh um, God. <laughs> yeah, you're off the top of my head. I can't think of anything right now. Uh. Now I've definitely laughed at some dumb shit in theaters, though. <laughs> I mean, I the movies. Hey, the question was Rob, not me. The movies I watch are so ridiculous and over the top. Uh, some intentionally, some not. That uh, my wife will definitely come in and hear me cackling. Some terrible things going on on the TV <laughs> that no one should even see, much less laugh at. Uh, but yeah, no, nah, there's too much. I guess I, I'm too messed up. That's when you guys play your favorite nightly game of is it porn or is it horror? Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, the movie I watched last night failed in many respects because it was uh, David Cronenberg's Rabid that uh, the star is Marilyn Chambers. And, uh, so <laughs> It's both. And she was very uh, freely exposing her breasts in that one, which is <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Your next, yeah. okay. Uh, so, um, the movie we're doing today definitely uh started a franchise, not super successful, but uh, of all the ones out there, we've had some internal discussions, and some of us are very wrong about our opinion, Robert. Uh, but what is your favorite <laughs> horror <off>. franchise, <laughs> and uh, why? <laughs> oh, you know, I. That's kind of tough because I, I'm I'm generally not one for sequels, you know. Um, I, I'm I kind of like I, I tease my students. I'm like, never see a movie with a Roman numeral in the title, you know, because <laughs> if they couldn't at least come up with a new title, forget about it. <laughs> um, I can't. I can totally appreciate what they've done with the Mike Myers, the Jason, you know, Freddy, the whole Freddy thing, and all that. Um, yeah, that's. I I really don't know that I have a favorite. I guess. I guess it would have been the first couple of nightmare films, you know, those, yeah. those, those were good. Those were well done. <laughs> like when we saw the first one again, same dollar theater in Abilene's basically same group of friends, you know, credits are rolling. And then it says, and uh, Robert England as Freddy Krueger. And it's like, Oh fuck, my life is over now. That's, <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that. So yeah, that's, that's, that's obviously that happened. What, <laughs> What effect did that have on you in school and everything else? I caught it for a little bit, you know, all of it, it good. The funny stuff to me was, you know, years down the road, dad's retired from his job. Dad asked me at one point, you know anything about this, Freddy Krueger? <laughs> somewhere I've got a picture that, oh, um, awesome. of him. He was working after he retired. He worked for a while as a greeter at the Costco over there on the southwest side of Fort Worth. And so for Halloween, he ordered the sweater and the mask and the glove. Oh, yes. Awesome. 
Yeah, but my my favorite one with my dad like that. Um, after my mom, mom, mom would not watch any of that stuff. So after mom died, dad got to go back to some of the stuff he liked. So we're talking one night on the phone, and he's talking about TV shows, and he says, "You know anything about that TV show with that teacher cooking crystal menthol?" <laughs> Breaking Bad? He's like, yeah, Breaking <laughs> Best show in the history of television as far oh as I can. Oh, man. Absolutely. <laughs> Brilliant. Crystal Yeah, and Dad almost teared up, uh, you know, when, as, as they were wrapping it up and some of the characters were getting off. One of them, he was like, why did they have to kill him? He was a good guy. <laughs> like, oh, no. When Mike died, he definitely <laughs> felt it in his heart. That was it. That was it right there. No. Did he watch the uh, the the new? What was the the thing on Netflix that came out? Like oh, El Camino. Yeah. Did he watch that? I don't think he did. He remarried, and I think it's kind of back to the same position. I did, and I tell you, I mean, it was great. Mm-hmm. But man, um, oh, Skinny Pete and um, <laughs> They were fucking brilliant. It's like they had not lost a beat in their timing. Oh, man. It transported you right back to that same time and frame when you were watching it, like, for the first time. And, uh, like, uh, Charles Baker, who plays Skinny Pete, is a local. I've worked with him a few times. And it's so weird because he doesn't look anything like that in real life. Like, he does not – He's. I mean, he is – he's skinny and stuff, but he doesn't look like that guy. That's so wild what they do to him. And – and Brandon Mayhew, or the guy that plays Badger, I did a film with him Badger. as well. And uh, he told me the greatest story about the last season of Breaking Bad is that they were filming the last episodes. And they what they would do is they'd film two or three days and they send all the film off to Burbank to get processed so they could finish it and edit it and keep filming. Well, a truck backed up over the film negatives and exposed them all. So they had to reshoot all the first scenes of the last episode. But no one was pissed because they were all like getting to do it again one last time. And that's why that, that wow. those last final bits are really, really well polished, just because they had to reshoot a few uh, bits and pieces of it, apparently. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, so we've kind of hinted around to what we're doing here. Obviously, it's The Exorcist. Uh, why did you choose The Exorcist for us to watch, Rob? Um, th- it was the first thing that came to mind because I uh, thinking about walking the hallowed halls of H.S. Stevens Middle School, um, you know, and I would have been about the age you guys were when I was teaching you when the film was first released. Mm. And the library would get the New York Times Sunday edition like Tuesday or Wednesday of the week. And uh, the good friend that I was talking about, he and I would go like in there during lunch just to flip through the paper and see how many people fainted in the theater, how many people walked out of the theater, how many, you know, all these stories. And I was, I knew there was no way in hell I was going to see it. Um, because back then, I mean, like uh, my kids always flip when I tell them that I didn't see my first R rated movie until I was like 15 years old. That was because I went with my sister. My parents were not theater goers and kind of prudes about the whole thing anyway. But, uh, um, I was, I was, totally captivated by it it's like what is it about this movie what's you know what what's why does it cause this what could they possibly do on screen that would warrant this type of thing so i i just thought the the connection between knowing you guys at that age and getting to spend time with you now and then for me being that age when this thing first came out it was making such a huge cultural splash at that point I can't even imagine what it must have been like 
as a young kid hearing all of this stuff? Like when you heard about it, did it make you want to watch the movie? Did it make you like just like really scared of it? Like I'm sure kids were talking about it on playgrounds and other stuff, you know, growing up, right? Yeah, and people reading the book. I think I took a stab at the book, but when I was I'm like now I read constantly. When I was younger, I I was not a reader. Um so it was all over the place. And like I I actually um had my mom buy me Mike Oldfield's Tubular Bells, like the entire album, which I had no idea at this point that that whole album is one entire work. You know, it's just that one little snippet that they pulled to use in the movie. Um, and that that had a total draw. And I'd read all those uh, trashy movie magazines and stuff like that. that would talk about Linda Blair and the fact that she was so young and, and all. And it just, I wanted to see it. And, and I think part of it, too, was the hardcore conservative Christianity that I was raised in. You know, like what, what constitutes the idea of Satan and what is evil and all that sort of stuff, you know, which I think we're getting so society can get some elements of society can get so caught up in this this actual devil, this Satan, this 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 presence. When I think the evil is like I heard a DJ on the zoo one time many years ago, moment of silence for KZEW, still miss it greatly. But he had played the stone sympathy for the devil. And after he finished it, he was talking before setting up the next record, he said, you know, if I ever did a music video for this song, I'd have shots of like Hitler and Stalin and all this sort of stuff. And that's like, yeah, that's where the evil is. You know, the evil is, is what it's not some supernatural entity necessarily. It's what we're doing to ourselves. But yeah, I was just I was just fascinated. I, 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 I really did want to see what it was all about. So when did you first see it and like what did you see it uh, like in a theater or like at home and what was your reaction? It was at a drive-in. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeehaw. I think it was called the Mansfield drive-in. It was a twin out on Mansfield Highway. It wasn't the Southside twin that used to be over behind the rig, you know, although we'd frequent that one a lot. But it was me and two other guys, and it was a double feature. It was The Exorcist and The Gauntlet. And so we get there to go, you know, get in line to go in, and we're backed up like five cars waiting to get in, and word gets down the line. It's fucking sold out. I've never heard of a drive-in being sold out. But as I can – as I best – as I remember it, this was the first re-release since it originally came out. You know, and at this point, again, we're, there, there's no videotape. There's nothing like that. This is the only way to see it. Right. So we waited out the first show, and then we go in and see Clint East was the gauntlet. That's where he tricks out that bus and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, so we see The Exorcist. So by the time it's done, you know, it's like midnight, one in the morning, and we're like, oh, fuck, we wish we would have seen The Exorcist first. I'd seen The Gauntlet after. <laughs> no shit. And all. It just, it just really... It, it, it was just this, the, a lot of those visuals. The first, this is a really weird comparison, but this is how my brain works. It's like the first time in Pee Wee's Big Adventure when you see Large March. Yeah. And you're like, whoa, fuck, stop, slow down. Let's see that again. Let's see that again. You know, you want to figure out how they're doing it. You may have seen some of the stuff on, I've seen some of it on YouTube, but a parent of one of my students out here posted a clip of behind the scenes or in between takes on The Exorcist, and it's almost hard to put them together because here's Linda Blair and all that makeup, 
And she's just smiling like a typical little girl. <laughs> you know, and it shows the bed shaking on one side of the wall. And on the other side, there's three guys pumping boards, making the bed shake. And, you know, everything they did to get it to work. And all, it was really, really interesting. That My favorite visual, it doesn't really frighten me, but my favorite visual in the movie is at one point, I guess the demon has left her. And it's like backlit green light. So it's just two silhouettes. And the demon is standing beside the bed. And she's reaching up like one hand above the other. And it's just like that. That's an amazing visual. Absolutely amazing. It was was cool. All right. I have a little something. Oh, I'm sorry, Corey. You're next. Oh, um, so basically what I wanted to do now is... um, just kind of go into a little bit of the background on it because um, I'm not sure lots of people might know this, but um, it was based on a true story um, that, so William Peter Blatty was a student at Georgetown university in uh, the late forties. And he read about this uh, story in the Washington post at the time about an exorcism that happened in 1949 in that neighborhood. And, uh, George Chambi a Jesuit school. He was able to make some contacts with people and get the story. But basically the general, you know, story goes is there's a boy that was about 13 years old. So they changed it to a female in the movie to protect the identity, because obviously this kid doesn't want everyone to know what he went through. Um, that was possessed. Uh, they tried to do some exorcisms there in Georgetown, uh, and then they had to eventually move them out to St. Louis to do some uh, more exorcisms there where uh, eventually it was successful and they brought him back and he lived a normal life. Uh, there's lots of stuff on the internet that will go into um, the location. Like the most famous part of it is that the location is this vacant lot now, but uh, I was able to track down some research that showed that it in fact did not happen there. Uh, Mount, Pleasant, Maryland, I think is where they were saying it happened, but it was actual Cottage City, Maryland. But um, this one guy was able to actually track down who the kid was, uh, talk to like his friends he grew up with, talk to people that knew the priest around there. And um, so lots of it uh, just got exaggerated. And, you know, when Blatty wrote his novel uh, in 1971, he obviously, you know, embellished some parts of it to make it commercial. But uh, I think most of the people that this uh, author interviewed uh, were just saying the kid was really messed up. He uh, was just a mean asshole, basically. Like, he had this one German Shepherd dog that he just found the stray that was mean to everyone except for him. And he would invite people over to his house and then just stick the dog on them. And they'd run away and he'd be giggling and shit. But, like, his mother and grandmother were very religious. And uh, so lots of stuff like... um, and things like that. There's really no corroboration on that. Uh, one of his friends did say in school one time his desk started shaking a whole lot and they couldn't really figure out why, but he wasn't sure if he was doing it. Um, the priest that actually did the exorcism, because, I mean, it's factual that exorcism was done, whether he was possessed or not, that's another story. But uh, one of the priests that witnessed it said that uh, you know, all the stuff about the massive vomiting and urination never happened. He spit some, but nothing crazy. Uh, he did recite some Latin, but he felt that he was just mimicking what they were saying, that he didn't have knowledge of a foreign language on his own. 
Uh, he mentioned some stuff about uh, marks on his body, but he didn't compare them to words being written or anything like that. Uh, so lots of it was just made up or embellished. And um, I think the general consensus is this kid was just really disturbed and uh, was either doing it for attention or something like that, but nothing like, you know, a demon or anything. But uh, in 2000, uh, author Thomas Allen wrote a book called Possessed that I read, um, or actually 93, he wrote the book. And uh, I read that back in middle school times, I guess, about right after sure. it came out. And yeah, and it uh, it talks about it focuses entirely on this story and it's really interesting because one of the priests that observed all the exorcisms kept a diary but it's uh lacking in lots of you know details about who was there who witnessed what uh but it's still pretty interesting especially if you dig stuff like this and um so that's what william pierre blatty read about in 1949 and uh that's what he based this entire story off of is this real thing that happened interesting so i think yeah that's wild yeah yeah i i did not know any of that you know i i don't know as as spiritual as i like to think of myself i think i'm also pretty much a serious skeptic you know but i'm I'm fascinated by people that have these stories like the oh the couple that in the conjuring based on the real life couple the paranormal the warrens yeah 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 you know, that they they've documented all this stuff and a part of me is like a oh, bullshit. But then at the same time, it's like, well, you know, I mean, what? Maybe maybe there is something to it. Just yeah, the Warrens, so the Warrens are so well known that uh, people have done lots of investigations on their stuff and they're actually kind of hucksters. Okay. Like the whole Amityville horror thing has been totally debunked and uh, they're really good at making themselves seem like they're way more involved in cases like the uh, second movie they did, uh, mm-hmm. The Conjuring 2, which is based on a case called The Enfield Poltergeist. They make it sound like they're the ones there saving the day and everything. In reality, they showed up and were there for like less than a day and <laughs> then were sent on their way. Um, so they're really good at publicizing themselves. But, That's how uh, good they are. They only needed to be there for a day. Oh, God. <laughs> and they're definitely... <laughs> They're definitely not as attractive as the people that portray them in the movies. They are some troll-looking <laughs> motherfucker. Yeah. The, the, the Amityville Horror thing always makes me think of that Richard Pryor bit. That's something to the effect of, why do the white people always stay in a house? And he says, I'd be like, hey, great house, lots of room, nice neighborhood, good schools. Boy says, get out. Too bad we can't stay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's, uh, uh, that's Eddie Murphy, Delirious. Okay. Got it. Thank yeah. you. I couldn't that's, remember yeah. that. That's almost too realistic, which which means brings us to our next question. What That's movie sick. do you consider the most realistic and plausible horror that you've seen? Like what what could really happen, and what's you know like in in the in the realm of horror that's been scary to you? Some people would probably dismiss me for this because they wouldn't consider <laughs> consider it horror, but I think in the state we're in right now in this country, Joker. Um, oh, just finally saw that this summer, and uh, um. Well, I thought it was phenomenal, and the actor's name is gone. Um, he was Phoenix. Yeah, he was he was fucking brilliant. I don't know how he didn't walk away from that with some sort of scar because he was just so into that. But uh, um, yeah, it was. You know, when you look at the reality of what's happening to our country, and that it's like, oh my god, that's that was 
That was intense. Yeah, that, no, yeah, that movie awesome. was great. Uh, so <clears throat> we've talked about, you know, the satanic worshippers at, at, at Bicep Park. That's a real thing. We know that happened. That, that's a fact. We talked about Goatman. Uh, but I know that you also said that you are very, you know, especially earlier in your life, you're, you're raised very spiritual, things like that. Um, did, have you ever personally experienced anything that you would consider to be supernatural? Did you have any stories maybe in your family, anything like that? Like, do you have any personal experiences with anything that you maybe just can't explain that you want to talk about? You know, for me, I don't, but my, my mom's mom, that was my Mima. She always told a story, and I don't, I, you know, there's no real supernatural ties to it, but I think it would make a great Twilight Zone episode or something like that. I couldn't flesh it out to a whole film. But according to the story, she knew a family growing up. She grew up along the Red River. In fact, if the history's correct, where she grew up is now Lake Texoma and all before they, they filled it all in. And they had a bunch of the kids would go down to the little swimming hole that was in the river. And one of the little girls would never get in the water because she was afraid of it. And so then her parents, let's see, make it concise here. Like I tell my students, I'll try to give you the radio edit, not the extended dance remix. Um, <laughs> the, the, she started waking up and her bedclothes, waking up in the morning, her bedclothes would be wet and her bed would be wet. And it wasn't urine or anything like that. Well, after a couple of times of that happening, they followed her and she was sleepwalking again, according to the story and swimming in the river. And then dad wow, yells at crazy. her and she wakes up and drowns, Wow! you know, cause she couldn't swim. Now, again, you know, that's like the little old lady who hangs her head over the bed and the dog licks her hand. And then the next morning the dog's dead. <laughs> somebody's written in the dog's blood, you know, humans can lick hands too. And all Wait, that didn't happen. Say that again. <laughs> that didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah for, oh man, no. Yeah. <laughs> Scary stories oh. to read in the dark. <laughs> yeah. exactly. exactly. You know what though? Like for as much as crazy stuff that you know, like we we want to talk about, uh, you know, that happened in Crowley, I I never really experienced any real supernatural stuff either. I don't think you know, like I've never seen a ghost really or anything. I will say that we I was we we were part of this kind of like fun little like paranormal research group for a little bit here and we did uh go out and do an investigation on uh a cemetery it's actually on my street it's it's just right down the road i've been there it's uh, creepy as fuck <laughs> yeah it is pretty creepy <laughs> but it has like it's it's really old it has a couple of revolutionary war soldiers buried there um so it's it's pretty old um but we took some recordings and we got some some pretty cool evps on there um that nice. we we got some actual voices and stuff uh, and i'm i'm like you rob i'm a huge skeptic i'm not real a believer in a lot of that stuff i'm i'm really the person that i i need to see something experience myself to truly be able to like firmly believe in it um so that was like the first time i saw something that i was like eh, you know like maybe this is there might be something more to this than you know, but I've never really experienced anything, anything real. Uh, I got to, I got to do an investigation once um, in the stockyards above the uh, Cadillacs. Like apparently, some of those buildings down there are supposed to be really haunted. And there was these North Texas cat, and they used to come in, I guess, to uh, the bar that I used to hang out at and like kind of bounce at on the weekends or whatever. So they invited us 
to come do it, me and my other friend, George. And, you know, it's three o'clock in the morning and we're shit dick because we've been guards for four hours drinking, but they still like <laughs> invited us to come and we got to do like EVP sessions and all this shit. But like, we didn't like, we didn't hear anything. Like we didn't see anything, but it was cool to actually like get the whole the equipment and all that stuff and pretend like we were cool and stuff. But yeah, we never heard or saw anything either, but we've heard stories about those buildings in the stockyard that are supposed to be haunted, but yeah, nothing happened that night at least. What about you, Cody? You ever experienced anything? Man, I, I mean, uh, I think on a prior episode, I may have told a story about Camp Carter and, uh, and a fake haunting that happened to me that felt so real that I was, it still feels real. But no, I mean, like, I've definitely had I've definitely had a few moments in some places where it was like, oh, this is not the place to be. I was in this jail in uh, in Fredericksburg, and it's like this old stone jail. We're filming a scene in there, and I was in the top of it, and I got like a panic attack because it was too small. But I think that it was a ghost that did that to me. I don't think it was the the, the jail cell. Interesting. That's, that's pretty pretty creepy. But no, I, like for real though, we got up there, and everyone was like, oh, it's so hot, I'm sweating. I start I start freezing. I'm not I'm not dropping a sweat at all. I'm, I'm carrying like 20 pounds of audio gear off my chest. And then everyone leaves and I'm like, oh, I got to capture like the sound of the room, you know, by myself. I'm in there recording it. I don't hear anything. But all of a sudden it just like feels like this crushing ass power just like pushing me down. And I was like, I'm out of this jail. <laughs> <That's> crazy. <laughs> I'm breaking it out. <laughs> my wife has experienced uh, sleep paralysis and that sounds like the most scary freaking thing ever i, I, like, I get that you have it, yeah it's it's no joke the the scariest thing because your mind is fucking real and fuck that do you ever because a lot of people say they they see some black object or something feels like they're sitting on their chest like something that gets an oppressive uh like feeling when that happens do you have your experience anything like that yeah yeah so like um the best way i can describe it it's never it's never the same i've had it god too many times but i can literally feel like something pressing down on the covers like starting down by my feet and coming up oh my, my legs and everything mm-hmm. just like there's something on the covers and uh and of course i'm just like oh and like <laughs> hiding just like covers around my neck and I can't really describe it because I have my eyes closed because I'm scared shitless. But I can feel something like getting really close to me, like just right there. I, you know what I mean? When someone's yeah. really close to you, you feel it. And um, and it, it, I don't know how to describe it because like I'm just like, there's obviously not a ghost here because I don't believe any of that shit. But it's no shit fucking happening. So I'm just like, what the hell? And one time I even had it. What's terrible is. I realize it's happening and I'll try to do things to wake myself up, like hit my head on the wall or just try to scream out or something. And it'll come out as like very weak and uh, muffled. And one time I was doing, I was trying to wake up or make some sound so my wife would wake me up. And that one, she was like demonic and shit. And so, yeah. It, and then we wake up from one and you're in a dream still. It, it just, fuck it. It's awful. <laughs> Okay, so I think we reached a good stopping point for this episode. We actually went, ended up going over three hours uh, in this episode. Uh, so I think this is a good stopping point. We will come back uh, next week 
with the second part of this episode on The Exorcist and featuring one of the greatest Crowley Independent School District teachers of all time, Robert Kruger. I knew him as Mr. Kruger, and I have to admit, it was a little weird calling him Robert or Rob. We already have a Robert. Um, because, like I said, I've known him my entire life as Mr. Kruger until we became friends on Facebook a few years ago. Um, but still, it was a little awkward. But you know what? I had so much fun getting just to catch back up with him. It was great. He was instrumental in my life. He's one of the most important teachers uh, in my life. He introduced me to lots of amazing pop culture things and, and just other great lessons in life. I still remember us trading <laughs> the hunt for Red October on the NES back in like second or third grade, back and forth to each other. We'd always like trade NES games. He also introduced me to The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings and J.R.R. Tolkien. And for that, I will be eternally grateful to you, Mr. Kruger. Uh, we'll be back again on October 9th with a second part of this episode. And then we'll be focusing on our Halloween episode, which I'm very excited about. But more on that will come. Uh, today is October 2nd. We'll be back on October 9th with the second part of this exorcist episode and this has been the blood second geeks episode five part one i guess we'll be back again be sure to keep reading all of the great reviews that Corey is posting up on our website at www.bloodsuckinggeeks.com and also go out to facebook and check out the blood sucking geeks facebook group because there is hundreds of people literally hundreds of people that have joined our group and just talk about horror. It's a great time. We get to share fun stories, movies that we watched, and recommendations, which is always great because you can never have enough horror movies to watch. That is going to do it for this week's episode. We'll be back next week. It's the power. Hold it. It's the power of Christ that compels you. Guilty beyond all human race. It's the Lord who expects you. He who is coming to judge both the living and the dead and the world by fire. Ah!